Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, my friend Jay Scotty St. Clair is joining me to talk some Loki Season 2, Episode 2 feedback. Let's hear what all your theories are. What, what's going on out there? What's going on in the world of Loki and all the theorizing? I can't wait. <laughs> all that right for this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today to talk about Loki is J. Scotty St. Clair. What's going on, J. Scotty? Hey, not too much. I'm excited to be here to talk some Loki season two. It's exciting. Dude. Really excited to have you. Uh, well, actually, the reason I called you uh, was because we were on Multiverse News, and you, at the top of Multiverse News, apropos of nothing, because we did not have Loki on the uh, schedule at all, you were like, real quick, let me just say my thoughts on Loki, because <laughs> I am feeling it, and I want to talk about it, and I don't have anywhere yeah. to talk about it, so I was like, oh man, I need somebody today, let's do this, let's talk about it. So yeah. tell me how you feeling about Loki Season 2 so far. Yeah, I'm glad that worked out and I took my shot because, like you said, I didn't know if I was going to be afforded the opportunity to talk about this anywhere else. So, uh, especially grateful to be here for that reason. But yeah, um, Loki season one was one of my it was it was my favorite um, Marvel Disney Plus show, and being mm-hmm. two episodes into season two, I just can't sing the praises high enough. All the performers are bringing their A games. Kiu Kwan as Ouroboros is such a welcome addition. Um, I feel like the mystery that they're already threading like so early on in the story like it's like i look back at secret invasion and not to you know crap on that series too much but it's like already two episodes in they're weaving such a a much more compelling mystery that i'm excited to tune in like every single week to see where this is going and Mm. like you know looking back at episode two like thinking about everything that happened there there was like one big action set piece maybe two but apart from that, it was just characters sitting in rooms or standing in rooms and having interactions together. And just those character interactions are so rich and just highlighted by the mm-hmm. fantastical world that they're in. Like, I'm, I'm just having such a good time with the series and I'm super excited to get to, to get to talk about it. How about you? Well, you mentioned there's these two set pieces. And what I, I find really interesting about that is like in those two set pieces, the one where they're chasing Brad and yeah. the one where they're going to take down the hunters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call them? Dox's, uh, not allegiant, uh, loyalists. They loyalists, call them Dox's okay. loyalists. 
it, which which I, I noticed this time. I had I hadn't noticed before. Like, uh, did we get all of Docs's loyalists? And they said all the ones who didn't escape or something like that. Like they uh-huh. they they wrapped up all the ones that were there, but some escaped into doorways. So there are still people on that team out running around the universe. So that's that's. I feel like there's lots of threads. Uh, no, uh, no pun intended with the loom situation, but <laughs> sure. uh, lots of threads popping up in this season so far. Um, but yeah. my, my point I was going to make is that uh, even in those scenes that are action centric yeah uh, they are still telling character driven things like um when they're i love seeing loki chase down brad okay. and like so many cool loki moments mm-hmm. of loki's a kind of <laughs> it's interesting because last season loki was the guy in the jumpsuit running from the tva and sort of sure. begrudgingly came to get to the end of time and he begrudgingly accepted the idea that this TVA was important. And this, Mm -hmm. now this season, he's sort of like working with the TVA, but not for the same purpose, but he is like kind of an agent now and him chasing Brad reminded me so much of him being chased. And like, there's just so many great lines in there. There's so many great moments. There's so many great, like Loki power moves, Loki all, all using, we've seen him many times project, uh, himself, I sure. don't know. We've we've never seen him project an entire crowd of like hooligans or whatever, you know? Right? Yeah, we've That's seen mind neat. control, but I don't know if he's ever done like a a projection to that scale, like like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we yeah. we saw. Him, I think it was in a the first Thor. There's like 15 Loki's surrounding Thor. Sure, and he's fighting him, but like not individuals. You know, it's just individual, yeah. like different. It's just like the processing power of that. It's just a whole sure. different level. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, and it's just showing the expansion of powers and all that. And, and then when they're fighting, uh, the hunters, it, they had that moment where, uh, they grab hands and use their superpower of being together. Like oh, that's great. And she's yeah, like, just don't question it. Just don't do question it. Yeah. it. Like that. There's just so much going on character-wise in those moments, and they don't feel boring at all. I don't oh, feel at all like, at all. okay, let's get to the talking scene. Like, those 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 fight scenes feel really character-driven and cool. I agree with you 100%. Getting to kind of have that display of Loki's powers, like, opening the episode that way, I thought was a great move. Because, like, coming off of season one, going into season two, like, this series really has been, like, a rehabilitation for the character of Loki. Like, in the movies, we always we saw him kind of taking this turn towards becoming a, a good character, but he always kind of had, you know, reservations and would always, you know, go back to the Loki move of doing the double cross. So to be reminded that, like, at his core, like, this is still very much a, a villainous character that's kind of questioning who he is and what his motivations are. And to have that pop up again in the interrogation sequences was just really good. And I felt like it came at the perfect time with, like, Loki making this hero turn and thinking about where this season's going. Like, there is, it's totally on the table that he could still, you know, end up as, as the bad guy, as this trickster, as the one, you know, pulling the strings. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I I felt a little underwhelmed, but I, I kind of wish we hadn't gotten the pie scene before we got the crushing in the box scene. Sure. Because I kind of wish I had been scared in that moment. But like, okay. I kind of knew based on their conversation when they went in there that this was all a trick. And, they, you know, like, when, when, when Mor- Mobius goes outside, he's, I always want to call him Morbius, like, every freaking time. Um, it's Mobin, it's Mobin time. Um, when, when, when Morbius is, I did it. Mo- when Mobius is beating on the door, like, I wanted to feel like he was really scared. But the whole uh-huh. time, I just knew it was a trick. Because okay. the, con- the pie conversation 
before. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that could have been structured a little differently. And I, sure. but I, I still like what they did. Uh, but I just, I, I guess, I felt like Loki was being the old Loki in the sort of like pretending to be the old Loki. I kind of sure. want to see him really drift into that old Loki at times. Like, he, he definitely still has that mode. And Tom Hiddleston is like killing those oh, moments. Yeah. Sure. Just absolutely still has all that, all that evil trickster Loki in, in himself. Brad says, You could kill me with that. He's like, he goes, Could I? <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a perfect delivery. It's the kind of delivery that's just like reserved for like highest level villains of all time. You know what sure. I mean? Like just amazing villains played by wonderful actors. And Tom Hiddleston's just hitting it out of the park. I love it. Yeah, no, he he really is. And I have to give credit to the the actor portraying Bat, uh, Brad rather, and uh, yeah. Hunter X Five because he he's such a great foil to Loki in those moments. Like you really do believe that he is so capable of getting under not just Loki's skin, but Mobius, who's normally been you know a pretty calm, cool, and collected character. To see someone that's able to kind of like drive that wedge uh, for him was I, I I loved all of those interactions. They were so good. Mm-hmm. I, I like them so much. I like him and I like Ouroboros so much. There's part of me that wants to say, and I even wrote it in my notes, I kind of wish these characters had been introduced in season one so they have okay. more more weight now, like we'd understand sure. them better. But I think like that's the wrong way to think about it. They have done such a good job in two episodes like introducing those characters. Like they needed new characters. Yeah. And so often in a new season of a show, when you introduce new characters like this, they fall flat and you're like, mm. okay, I care about the season one characters, but these new characters, you know, whatever, the, they're probably fodder for death or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, in these cases, both Brad and Ouroboros, I love yeah. them. I love yeah. them for who they are. They're so well introduced. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. And they're, they're making such strong choices and just committing to them. Like I think about Ouroboros, like it's already so well-defined who that character is. Like when he gets introduced to Casey, it's like, Oh, nice to meet you. We're all going to die. He he goes vacillates back and forth between being cordial and like panicked about the uh, end of everything. Yes. Oh my gosh. Something that I I pointed out in in our instant reaction was something that I noticed about the TVA sort of agents is that they uh, had this unaffected personality. And it made me wonder Mm -hmm. if they like had their personality sort of shaved down when they've been had their minds erased. But then I realized on my rewatch, I was like, no, it's just that they deal with this. They deal with this stuff every day, right? So it's mm. like, that's what's so beautiful with this show. And I realized it's like one of the main components of the tone of this show is the mundanity that they face every right. day because every day is another, like, m- every day they're pruning universes. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, every day they're destroying billions of lives in, in the old TV, and now they're dealing with all this other big stuff, but it all feels mundane because it is every day for them. And I yeah. think that's such a really cool choice. You could absolutely see a TVA when, when um, in, in in Multiverse of Madness, when Doctor uh-huh. Strange goes to the Council in Universe eight one twelve or or eight eight one two or something like that, right? Uh, they uh, there's just you know they they have a similar sense of like we're trying to control the multiverse, but there's sort of the, this like panic about it, like we have to stop this. Like there's this, it's, it's superhero stuff. Yeah, this is like the bureaucracy behind the multiverse, and I just love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I I think that like that mundanity that you refer to and how like they're so 
there, there's a routine and like a comfortability like established within there. Like you see it with Mobius, like multiple characters questioning him like don't you want to know what your life looks like on 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 the timeline like outside of the tva and he's more comfortable not knowing because it's scarier if it was a good life that he's missing out on that but then Mm -hmm. you look at the character of docs who again new character that hasn't had a ton of screen time but we already like have their motivation so clearly laid out and like again it's it i always i kind of pay attention when they do like the previously on loki before you go into the new episode and they highlighted where Hunter X5 said, like, this changes everything. And then Docs is like, this changes nothing. And it's just like, that that is what she wants. She wants that status quo. And mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Kate Dickey because uh, she's popped up in a few things that I've watched here recently. She was in Game of Thrones. Uh, but I, I recently got the chance to watch uh, Robert Edgar's The Witch from 2015 in A24 horror film. Um, AMC, part of their thrills and chills for Halloween. They decided to put it back in theaters, so I went and caught it. And I didn't know she was in the movie, but she is just so good at playing these, like, shrill, unlikable characters. Like, I think about her character (laughs) in Game of Thrones as well, and she's just got that on lockdown, and uh, her performance here in Loki is no exception. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, she's, like, I don't know much about her, but you can tell just by her, like, the way she carries herself. She has this rigidity and, like... And the Our way mission she just, is compromised. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh man, so much of this show makes you reminds me of Doctor Who. Like oh, the sure. way, oh, yeah. it's so good. Like a lot of that is also the like mundanity of time travel. Like oh, and yeah. a lot of the stuff that Ob is doing, where he's just wiring crazy stuff together to make a weird device. That's Doctor Who stuff. All oh day. yeah, time lords, time masters, yeah, time keepers, that, keepers, time <laughs> keepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, dude, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am. I am floored about it. And I know we could probably just go back and forth uh, for like the full hour here, we but like we really could for <laughs> sure. And we will continue, but let's get into some of the feedback and see yeah, what let's everybody's hear from got the people. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steven Wetherill, one of our patrons, uh, by the way, you know, we, how we do it. We always throw the patrons up front because mm-hmm. mad respect to the patrons. Uh, Steven Wetherill, one of our patrons says, Hey, Matt, Jeff, and Ashley, hope you all are doing well and enjoying Loki as much as I am. I have a theory about where this season might be heading. After OB explains that he who remains is needed to fix the temporal loom, I wonder if the Kang variant Victor Timely is destined to be he who remains. That would mean that Loki, Sylvie, and Mobius would need to find that Kang variant to help fix the temporal loom. Let me know what you guys think. Later's Gators, Stephen with a PH. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So he, he's talking about when they say the person with the temporal aura is needed to fix the machine or whatever. The temporal right. Loom. Obi has that moment where he has the device. He tries to open the door and it says access denied. You don't have the right temporal aura and that's when he discovers okay i need the temporal aura of he who remains in the middle of that i had to pause and have you explain that to me because i somehow missed that moment um sure it's pretty (laughs) it's a pretty quick scene yeah yeah um so i think this is a good call and it actually goes well with a theory that uh i had sort of last week that it might be leading back to the very beginnings of the tva or at least this version of the tva because it seems like there was a previous version of the tva Maybe it was a different version of Kang that ran it. I, it clearly was. It was the Conqueror version. That's mm-hmm. when he goes back to. So the next version of Kang, I don't know if it's like that Kang that was the Conqueror that had the big statue changed tactics because he realized it wasn't working. And that's when he created the Timekeepers and reset everyone's memories. Or if this is a different Kang variant takes over, you know what I mean? Like it, it could yeah. be there's different versions of the TVA for different 
versions of Kang, or it could be that, yeah, that, that Kang just changed tactics because the, he, he realized him being the head of it wasn't working. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I have a similar read on it. I don't know if it, it gets kind of wishy-washy when you ask the question about like whether or not like this Victor Timely, if he's going to be the exact same version of He Who Remains that we saw mm-hmm. in season one, because when He Who Remains explained his origins, he talked about like the the multiversal war that he had with himself. So like to retroactively have that like have these TV agents be the one that like put him in that position to have the, the war in the first place is I don't know it's, it starts to get a little convoluted. But what I, I do agree with and like where my mind went as well, Stephen is uh, yeah the fact that I do think Victor Timely it, it's going to be that's going to be the thrust of the season going forward. It's like okay we need this temporal aura so we're going to have to go back to grab Victor Timely because he goes on to be he who remains. So when I was you know first seeing the trailers or even the the post credit scene at the end of Quantum Mania, I got the sense it's like, okay, Victor Timely is going to be this antagonist that we're going up against, but now it feels more like he's the MacGuffin, like they are searching for him to get his temporal aura. I, I agree with yeah, you 100% yeah. on that. Yeah, I think Steven's 100% right on that. That seems, I mean, we just know that that's where they're going, and we know they yeah. need a version. And maybe that isn't the right version. Because mm-hmm. the temporal aura, so I'm assuming it's a specific variant they need, right? I would imagine like, so. Yeah. I would imagine so, but that would mean it is he who remains, which would in- involve all the confusion you're talking about. But is it the same door? Because they went back and made these changes, maybe the temporal temp- temporal aura. That's kind of hard to say, but maybe that <laughs> changed when uh, it's yeah. Again, like I said, it gets convoluted really fast when I right. started to, to yeah, think about absolutely. all the ramifications of time travel. Well, that further. Could, convoluting it is what here Canada Panda uh, says uh, one of our patrons says feedback for Loki season 2 episode 2 so I have a theory this episode showed us all of those timelines being bombed and erased if you look closely on the top of the screen that showed them being bombed they all have 616 at the beginning of their times like line number Um, so I'm thinking this is going to open up the possibility of the MCU as we have known it up till now to be reset, what are your thoughts? Uh, first off, I hate that idea. Don't reset my timeline. Don't do it. Um, I realize they might have to do it in some form or another. Like that timeline existed, but now we get a new timeline that's going to let them bring back a version of Iron Man or whatever because, you know, everybody wants that eventually. Sure. But like, and, and Captain America, everybody, mm-hmm. uh, Black, Black Panther. Um, oh, yeah. It, it's just. I don't want them to reset the timeline completely. Right. Because then you lose all the stakes, of course. Um, but I did go back and check, and this is what interested me most about uh, Canada Panda's feedback. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there is, uh, if you go, while the things are being pruned, you can see a little readout. It's like a ticker going across the top, and it says 616 dot blah, 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 616 dot. So it seems like all of the timelines being pruned are numbered as a 616 dot something so like versions of the uh, sacred timeline which as we know from multiverse of madness they called it 616 right but other versions call it 19999999 so i don't i don't know (laughs) i don't know what's going on here (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, well first of all i want to give kudos to both you and to Canada Panda for the either the eagle eyes or going back and pausing and scrubbing through the the footage oh, to make that catch all, because all I just Canada lost Panda. over that completely. But he, he noticed it kind of has a, looked. a new consequence in my mind. So it's like okay, 
we know we have the multiverse saga going on right now. We've seen other multiverses and variants via multiverses, but now the fact that like all of these branching timelines all have like the indicator 616 beforehand, it makes me think that like the multiverse is just even more massive than we could have even contemplated because within the grand calculus of the multiverse, every single one of these verses could have an infinite number of branching timelines on each right. of them. So just the the scale and scope of everything just got that much bigger to me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it does kind of uh, beg the question. I think there's been some confusion about whether or not like which version or which universe is 616 because I know prior to Multiverse of Madness, the understanding was that Marvel Comics, its ongoing universe right now, like that is the 616 and then the MCU had that uh, other designator that you mentioned, the nine one nine 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 nine, that got mm. brought up in across the Spider Verse. So um, this popping up, as much as I like it, I do think it muddies things a little bit more. So uh, yeah. I know that that Marvel official timeline is uh, is on the way. So maybe it can clear some mm. things up for us when it drops. Maybe, yeah. I really liked when, because I always thought that uh, the timeline from Multiverse of Madness where they mentioned 616, that could just be their numbering system. But oh, yeah, the right. TVA's numbering system, that feels a little more definitive or feels sure. a little more, like, real. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the fact that it's a 616 at all is crazy. Um, and then I'm like, who? okay, you guys know we care about this little stuff. And you guys even had a meeting in Marvel a few years ago about like, how does the multiverse work? Like they had like a, a, a retreat to talk about how the multiverse should work. Sure. And uh, I just need you to give me a, give me what's going on. Cause it, my thinking was maybe, okay. So if 616 is the version of the timeline that he who remains has been running the sacred timeline, maybe the 616 dot, whatever is a prefix or a post fix after like that, that it gets when it's a, a nexus branch. event or something, yeah. Right, or, or like it's it's a, it's a branch, but once it solidifies, once it passes the red line, once it becomes a full on timeline, then you give it a new full number or something okay. like it's a, it. Maybe that maybe that's a way of like delineating Temporary it and designator, yeah. yeah, 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 something like that. That could that could work. Um, okay. But but again, uh, this one leads right into the next uh, piece of feedback. Uh, we, we got a lot of really good like good flow on these feedbacks. I wish I had uh, intentionally done this. Um, Credit to whoever <laughs> curated this list of questions. <laughs> it is me grabbing the Patreon feedback in order as it was sent. So <laughs> good job, patrons. <laughs> good good job coordinating your uh, your your answers. Andre Sparks, one of our patrons, says, "Hey Ashley, Matt, and Jeff, uh, writing to you all at." No, at a normal time, haha, couldn't sleep last time. Oh, yeah, last time he'd written it at like 2 a.m. and okay. actually gave him shit about it. Um, <laughs> last time, so that's why the last feedback was written so late. Anyways, so I was thinking at the end of the episode, when the TVA agents were pruning branches, I realized it looked like they didn't get them all. Maybe I saw six left. So, do you think those could be the two Spider-Man universes, the X-Men universes, and the fan- two Fantastic Four universes setting up Secret Wars? Secondly, we now can confirm we only have one TVA that was controlled by He Who Remains because... If that was not the case, wouldn't the other Kangs have stopped their branches from being destroyed? Hmm. 
It was a great scene, and you could feel the sadness coming from them all, but after a few days, I thought, didn't that seem a little too easy? Then you all mentioned, what if someone else was still pulling the strings? What do you all think? Uh, Do you agree it was too easy? Love you guys. Keep up the good work, Andre. Thank you, Andre. Yeah. Just speaking of all the timelines and how does it work... Yeah, this is a really interesting piece of feedback for me because if if this if this were the case that this like event of pr- of the bombing of the timelines, not pruning, but the the like, bo- I mean they were pruning, but like they were bombing all these timelines like in a almost like terroristic way, you know. Yeah. Um, if this event is, I mean, it is a huge deal. Billions and billions and billions and trillions of people just died from this. Um. Could it be an event that has that much repercussions? Like, that's a huge swing if it is the case. I feel almost like it's too... But then again, Sylvie stabbing He Who Remains is what allows the multiverse to exist. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I think that's really fascinating. And it, it also still begs the question of how does the multiverse work and where where are these other multiverses and are there multiple sacred timelines being run by different versions of Kangs. That's another thing we've talked about is the version that we're seeing branches off of. So like if he keeps it running in a halo, does it just avoid crashing into others? Is it a segmented timeline or is it, you know, like the only timeline in existence? This is, these are questions we still don't really have an answer to. Yeah. And that's where I think we could benefit from some clarity. I talked previously about how well the characters are defined that I do think like, Okay, so I think we can benefit from having some rules um, defined a little bit. But that being said, I still, even without that being the case right now, I still feel like uh, the world of the TVA and kind of the rules that have been explained to us, I don't feel like anything is conflicting. I don't feel like I'm being pulled out of the world ever or like scratching my head about like, how does this work or how do these like, you know, nothing feels like it's conflicting at this point in time right now. But Mm -hmm. with Andre's feedback, like thinking about uh, these five or six timelines that remain again, that's where we kind of need the clarity about the difference between what is a like branching timeline variant versus a multiversal variant. Because in my mind, like we've seen, you know, multiple, multiple versions of Spider-Man portrayed by different actors. Like if they're coming from different multiverses, like that I can, I can make work in my mind. But Mm -hmm. if you're talking about like looking at five or six timelines and these are going to be, you know, the Fox X-Men versus everything like that, I think that's where it starts to get a little more difficult to explain. Like if this is just a different timeline, even if you want to take the butterfly and effect into like, into consideration like how does that change a a person's physical appearance to that scale so i don't i don't know if i'm ready to say that those remaining universes or timelines are the ones that we're going to kind of have to play with going forward considering incorporating the x-men and and deadpool 3 and everything going on there Um, but i do know for sure that the one of the timelines that still remains is that broxton oklahoma 1982 because we do see sylvie go back there so don't know what kind of significance that particular timeline is going to have on the mm-hmm. show or the universe going forward, but that is the only one I'm sure about at this point in time. I will say, uh, I wasn't sure because she yeah. goes and sits on that car and then she looks at her little temp pad and like uh-huh. pulls it up. It's, it's like he who remains temp pad apparently. Yeah. Um, so she pulls that up and looks at the timelines. When we saw the timelines being bombed, the timelines were getting shorter, but they weren't gone yet. Part True. of me wondered if that was her. And I, if this is the case, I feel like they would have made it more clear. 
but if that was her visiting that timeline after the bombing and it's like slowly disappearing, you know what I mean? Like she knows he asks, are you coming to work tomorrow? And she says, yes, but she's looking at the time. She's watching those little strands slowly dissipate. And she knows she only has a few minutes left sitting on her truck in her preferred timeline. As heartbreaking as that would be, I really hope that's the case because that is so, so poignant. I kind of love that. I do too. I love it. But if it's the case, I wish they'd made it more clear. Cause I agreed. Cause I do think that is a possibility. Sure. But if that was, if that was a case, that would have hit me. Like, like when she tells that guy, yeah, I'll be back in tomorrow. And she knows that her timelines, it's coming for her, you know? Right. Um, that would have been like, Ooh, yeah. oh gosh, yeah. that would have really felt, but it didn't, it didn't hit that way. It so didn't. it makes me wonder if that's just not the case. Um, um, the other thing he asked about here, was it too easy? That's, my question to his question is like, was what too easy? Was the bombing of the timelines too easy or would incorporating all these like other versions of Marvel characters, is that too easy? That's, mm. that's what I was a little confused about. I meant to spin off of what you said about the timeline and how does something affect the thing about the interesting thing about the timelines is that they diverge in drastically different places along the sacred timeline. So yeah. like when you see them diverge, it's not like, when this happens, they all diverge from the current sacred timeline. They're diverging at all points. So some mm. could have diverged like pre like primordial ooze or whatever, you know, like yeah, some true. could be diverging all over the place. So when you see them of diverging, you see them coming out of different points in the timeline. So true. some could be happening way in the past. That's how you get to things like different actors playing the same character. But then you also get to spider verse shit where it's like this, but this character has to exist for some reason in this. It's, it's, it's not yeah. random. It's there's some sort of purpose behind it or some sort of design, yeah. which could be Kang related, I guess. And to your point and to kind of, pull some wind out from uh, my own argument there even in last last season thinking about it the variants of loki we saw were portrayed by different actors and even Sylvie right, herself right. yeah is is loki it's <laughs> I yeah. sometimes it's weird that they're like so different in their their own character so much that i forget that sometimes even though mm-hmm. it's it's yeah such a part of who they are and their relationship loving yeah. yourself loving yourself you gotta love yourself um Oh, he was asked. This is what he's at. He's, uh, we, uh, Andre also asked. Secondly, we now can confirm we only have one TVA that was controlled by He Who Remains, because if that was not the case, wouldn't the other Kangs have stopped the, their branches from being destroyed? I don't know that that confirms that, because like that's they've been destroying branches the entire time. So whatever mechanism, basically these rogue TVA agents just continued the purpose. Their, their believed in purpose of the TVA, like nothing's Mm. changed. Like basically Sylvie went to the end of time to change things. And then these TVA agents were like, no, we're not going to let you, you know, like they, they're trying, I I still think they're going to deal with branching though. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Or will we, I like, like did all the branches, like because they're happening across all time at the same time and now they're being allowed to happen. Was that big event that the loom, the, you know, breaking the loom and everything is, is that when we get all the timelines in creation being created at the same time, or will they continue to diverge over time? But what is time? Like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, yeah. it's brain, it's brain hurting. <laughs> I think it's too early to say that we have anything solidified in terms of like the TVA being the only version of the TVA or what, because prior to the season, like we were led to believe like the TVA doesn't operate 
on on regular on the regular timeline like it exists outside of that but we've already seen time slipping we know that the the TVA doesn't mm-hmm. have a past and and present and future and like just case in point the the fact that the TVA agents have had their memories wiped like multiple times like that wouldn't yeah. be possible if there, if there was no time right exactly there has to be some sort of time in the TVA all right well uh we've got lots more feedback to get to we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back with more right after this and we're back in the MCU cast. What is going on, Jay Scotty? You you feel you feeling it? You feeling the oh, I'm feeling TVA it. This vibes? has already been a uh, fun and stimulating conversation <laughs> for sure, man. Always, <laughs> always wonderful to have you on here. Thank you. Uh, by the way, we're we're in the middle of the show. We want to wait till the end, but tell the people where they can find you. Uh, I, I meant to mention your animation deliberation up top and uh, and multiverse news. My my co-host over on multiverse news. Yeah, I am uh, fortunate enough to be a part of two. Stranded Panda shows here, and the first that you mentioned there, Animation Deliberation, that's the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too serious. We, seriously, we have a lot of fun over there discussing all the uh, animated content, and yeah, Multiverse News, that's a fairly new show, but has been an absolute blast to be a part of and kind of watch that one take off and discuss you know yeah. all the latest and greatest happening in the world of blockbuster movies and fandoms. Yeah, man, it, it has been a, it's been a ton of fun over there doing that show. Um, so, so it's just excited to have you over here on the MCU cast today. Yeah. Let's see what Rachel Titsworth has to say. Another Let's one of our it. patrons says, Hey y'all, I'm loving Loki season two and wanted to pass on what I learned about the song that plays during episode two's closing credits. Janice Joplin's cosmic blues. I went searching about the song because I recognized her vocal style immediately and wanted to, to know more about the specific song. Well, check out the opening lyrics. Time keeps moving on. Friends, they turn away. I keep moving on, but I never found out why. I keep pushing too hard, and babe, I keep trying to make it right. Through another lonely day, ooh, whoa. Uh, and, and Rachel continues, uh, this totally works for showing Sylvie's state of mind at the end of the episode. Love that the creative team on Loki pays attention to the details like this. Love y'all 3000 for all time. Always Rachel. <laughs> she puts a heart. Oh man. She has a heart and a clock and what looks like a Loki symbol, but it's not. It's some sort of like emoji, but very good Loki. Uh, okay, we'll take it. <laughs> very good like Loki season two vibes on those emojis. Nice. I really love that. And she says it's it, it's a perfect encapsulation of um, Sylvie at the end of the episode, but actually, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of Loki in there too. Same here. That was my thought yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the thing, friends, they turn away. You know, Sylvie's turned away. I keep moving on, but I never found out why. I, and that's Mobius, man. Like, Mobius, mm. like, he keeps doing the TVA thing, but the whole thing, this Brad kept yelling, like, why are you doing this? What are you doing this for? It's sad. You're nothing, you know? Oh, yeah. gosh. There's a lot of cool stuff in this. In this, um, uh, I keep pushing too hard, and babe, I keep trying to f- make it right. That's Loki for me. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They, they talk about this episode, all the terrible things he's done, and what he's doing is just trying to fix, trying to make amends for all the terrible things he's done. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I love this feedback because, uh, it just gives a lot of like credence to how unified the vision is here. Like they're thinking about every aspect of the show and just making it really work and be 
you know, very, very satisfying. And um, I did not pick up on the song. So thank you, Rachel, for doing that research. Mm-hmm. Like Janis Joplin is a, is a great artist. And yeah, these lyrics just resonate really well. But like you, Matt, um, as she was explaining it in her feedback, I immediately kind of went to Loki. And the line that stuck out to me is when he was interrogating Brad and Brad used that as like fuel to kind of pick at him. He's like, you're obsessed with Sylvie. Like you need to let that go. So mm-hmm. um, it does, there does seem to be a feeling of kind of like futility on Loki's part in terms of him, like really pining for Sylvie. And uh, again, like they showed in the recap here, he just said, he said to her, like, I just want you to be okay. And she says to him, but I'm not you and pushes him through the door. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's just going to continue to be, the nature of their relationship. Yeah, man, absolutely. I agree with you. I really love this feedback. Um, it, again, just like uh, it was just brought up about the 616s and uh, noticing that, like, uh, I love how much you guys out there listening and writing in and feedbacking uh, are, are giving so much more context to this show. Um, mm-hmm. And like so, th- things we uh, would not have noticed ourselves. So thank you. That's awesome. It's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next, we got Jason Bailey says, hello again. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the Loki series, how the Loki series could end. In the first episode of season one, Loki sees many things from his timeline's future, such as his mom's death and even his death at the hands of Thanos. If the series ends with Loki returning to his timeline, would he change these events? Would he return to the same time that he was plucked out, or would he return to a different place in time? Maybe he never returns. Could this series be the end of Loki? I can't wrap my head around it. 3000 Bailey. What do you think, Scoots? Yeah, this is a a really good question. And uh, I similarly found myself at the end of this episode kind of speculating about where we might end up at the end of the season. And again, with the kind of reminder there that Loki is a villain at his core and has been used to a, a life of losing and, you know, gets the opportunity to use some of his magic and trickery and mischief and and have it go so successfully. I did find myself like thinking like, you know, this season could totally end with Loki being back at the at the helm as the like mastermind and manipulator. And it's it's mm. tough to say at this point, but I, I keep thinking about like the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and knowing that we're in the yeah. multiverse saga and knowing that at, at this time, as far as we know, our next Avenger films are going to be the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, I mean, I, I think, you know, just being kind of, like, practical about it and, and um, like, you know, what is Occam's Razor, the easiest or the most mm-hmm. obvious solution is, is probably the, the right answer. Like, it seems like this season really has to set up Kang as the, as the overarching big bad going into the Kang Dynasty and even Secret Wars. But from what I know about secret wars and knowing like the role that Dr. Doom kind of plays in that, I I think there has been similar feedback and theories and speculations about it, but I do, I could totally see a scenario where Loki kind of comes back and gets to, to play a similar role to that. And I, I could see it really working because Dr. Doom, the MCU version of Dr. Doom hasn't been introduced yet. So that's, they're going to have a very short mm-hmm. amount of time to endear us to that character and make it have that gravitas and weight. But if you take a character like Loki who's already got this love built up from from the previous movies in these two series, I could see it really working. But um, I don't think that either either route they take or wherever it goes, I don't think that this is going to be the last we're seeing of Loki. Tom Hiddleston really seems to really be enjoying the role still, and is, I've never seen him phone it in. He's just doing great work. So, I mean, 
this series is such a, a quality series that if they wanted to retire the character, this would certainly be, you know, a a highlight and a, and a kind of like triumphant way to do that. But I just don't see it at this point in time. Where yeah. are you, you kind of landing on this idea? I, I think your practical approach is exactly how I feel about long term. I think Secret Wars, he will be back. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like he'll have to return in some form. And like, the thing is he's a character we know. And so if however he returns, like they, there's a way to write it so that it, it appeals to us, the Loki fans, but also brings back in the, like just Loki's back, you know, like for mm-hmm. all the fans who haven't been following the, um, uh, Disney plus shows, they could definitely bring Loki back. Yep. Um, but Thinking more short term is what I find more interesting, and something I can't get out of my head is that this season we've got this sort of team they're building, and it's like Hunter B fifteen, Loki, Mobius, Ouroboros, uh, Casey, and yeah. and and Sylvie. Hopefully, eventually, um, they they all really seem to be building a team. And last season we had Loki is being captured by the TVA. This yeah. season we have they are sort of running the TVA for all, all intents and purposes, sort of like fighting for the TVA's control. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling we are going to get a r- more of a like stripped down, like those five or six people are going to survive the TVA or be sort of splintered off and do their own thing. Like the okay. fact that they've set up uh Ouroboros and Casey as sort of tech guys that can deal with time travel shenanigan tech. Yeah. Um, I could totally see them sort of like TVA is destroyed at the end of the season, let's say, or mm. it's taken back over by Kang to the point that they, they're, they're not there for that. They're, they're wanting to get it away. So like a season three of this show, which I don't even know if they've announced. I don't believe they have. Not to um, my knowledge. So we don't even know if we're getting a season three, but if they do a season three, uh, I think it could be, Either the TVA is gone and it doesn't exist, like this temporal loom takes it down, or and, and and all we have left is this core team of heroes that we sort of like know, yeah. Or uh, the and and then you still could have Doc's loyalists like running around the timelines, you know. Sure. Uh, and also you have or or Kang comes in, takes over, and uh, the rest of the people are loyal, become loyal to Kang, and these five or six have to like. It's either be have their minds erased or be pruned or escape. You know what I mean? Mm. Like those are their set of options, you know? Yeah, sure. So I can totally see them sort of like operating outside the TVA next season. That'd be cool. And Mobius has to like figure out who he is outside without the TVA as his like guiding principle, you know? Ooh, yeah. I just see that team come coalescing and I think that's a way they could go. Not sure if they will, but I see it. Yeah, actually just kind of hearing your dissection of that, like it did make me think of some of the things that we know that are going on like behind the scenes and then the like the business aspect of of Marvel Studios and Disney and I know one of the the changes that they're or yeah, one of the like new approaches they're taking to to Marvel on TV is that they do want to kind of invest in like shows with multiple seasons rather than doing these one-off things so with the success loki's already had with the first two seasons i think it would make a lot of sense that we're we would at least see a season three and and depending on how that's received i mean so on and so forth but i I like your idea of having like kang reestablish the tva but then have this this team that's kind of come together have to operate outside of that and be kind of this Mm. ragtag rebel crew i think that could could be a pretty cool um way to change up the format for a season three yeah, and and this far, I think 
this show seems to just it lives in the TVA though. And so mm-hmm. like I I love the TVA and I really don't want to see that change, but I th- like this episode taking those same characters and having them sit in a McDonald's. I still am like blown away and fascinated by everything they say, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know, like, like having Mobius and Hunter B uh, uh, X5 have yeah. that conversation over a shake and an apple pie was like one of my favorite parts <laughs> of this whole episode. So like, yeah, part of me feels like I don't want to lose that sort of bureaucratic sense of the TVA. Sure. Um, and, and the, the, if nothing else, I want to. I want them to still live in something like the TVA because I really love the like set design and stuff. I don't want that to go away. So maybe I'm uh, talking myself out of it. But I do mm. think that the idea of them being like a separate team makes sense. Um, but I do want them to. I, I, I don't want them to lose the sort of like aesthetic of the TVA. So who For knows? Sure. Maybe they'll create their own little TVA. Or or like I said, if the TVA is destroyed or everyone's like pruned or whatever mm. and it's just them running the entire ship or whatever. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just I'm just BSing at this point. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we're here for. Tim Castillo uh says, Hail and wet met. <laughs> Sorry, no well, well met. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I said wet met. That was weird. Uh, I think I just combined well met into wet. Uh, Hail and well met, MCU guys and gals. Um, So, I was re-listening to Loki Season 2 Episode 1 Reaction Cast, and there were mentions about X-Men and the music drop in Miss Marvel, and I had an idea. Maybe it's stupid. I love... (laughs) Sorry, I really enjoyed my own delivery on that. Sorry, yeah, I had an idea. Maybe it's stupid. <laughs> um, it's funny, Tim. Um, I love hearing the theme. The '90s X-Men cartoon was my X-Men. I was bummed it wasn't in the X-Men movie. That being said, keeping it scarce would be a good thing. If I were the Feige. <laughs> <laughs> I would have my dudes sample different bars of the theme mixed into different orchestrations of single character movies and introduce the mutants like they've been doing, like they've been doing. I mean, I guess they was Marvel at least, mm-hmm. but not using the same part over and over again. Uh, that'll just be tiresome. Uh, then it could be used in its fullness at, a climax when the team is all finally together and truly a team. What do you think guys? Um, It don't get much better than this. Tim Castillo. You you gotta read that right. It don't get much better than this. (laughs) What is that from? Is it just the the way he wrote it? Obviously. (laughs) Don't get much better than this. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I uh, I think I, this is a great idea th- to build an X Men theme, whether it's that that X Men theme because that X Men theme is fairly simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but to build an X Men theme out of the individual pieces of the character themes would be really cool and something these these uh, creators do do a lot of like combining different melodies into one like orchestrated piece that comes together and like is the is the theme for the team is such a cool way of doing it so i love that idea yeah i kind of land in a similar spot as you on this one like obviously that you know that theme from 
X-Men the Animated Series is iconic, but thinking about this approach of having little bits of it revealed as we assemble this crew of X-Men, like, I don't know if there's enough there to pull that off successfully because, like, even the, the person that's paying more attention to this stuff and is a fan, like, how much of that theme is really iconic? And I really think it's just that... I don't think anybody would recognize much outside of that. So you're going to use that, you know, pretty quickly with like two, three, four characters at the most. But all that, all that to say, I do like the idea and I, I like what you kind of bring up. Like there's maybe there's a way to develop a new theme that pays homage to that, but could be built out a little bit more so you can mm. more successfully do this idea because I do think it's a cool idea. But contemplating it, I do bristle a little bit. Like it'd be great if we got maybe one or two like solo X-Men introduced in their own films or maybe showing up in other people's movies. But given how long we've had to wait to see the X-Men and I know dark Phoenix mm. came out what in like 2019, it hasn't been that long since we've seen <laughs> it was X-Men movies, late. but it feels like we've been waiting forever to see the X-Men in the, in the MCU, like <laughs> having to wait for all those individuals to kind of assemble. Like that seems like it would just wait way too long. So I'd rather see kind of like pairing offs. Like maybe you get, uh, Jean Grey and Cyclops together, you know, Magneto and uh, Professor X. Like, I don't want to rehash a first class, but that, you know, that relationship really worked really well in that in that movie. So I'd rather see kind of a truncated version of that. Like, let's get to the X-Men crew, like, kind of as, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I hear that. I I don't know. I'm really torn. Like, one of the great things about phase one and why it works so well is you give me one really solid character per movie that yeah. I love, and then you build out the team. And mm-hmm. so I can absolutely see them taking that model and just running with it and building, building out a great team. But it is really tough to imagine them doing that while continuing to make all these movies that they're making and continuing all the threads they've, they've started because it just feels like X-Men other than Miss Marvel is not really like on the, I mean, Miss Marvel and multiverse of madness. I I got like, and of course, Deadpool coming soon. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to get there. Um, And I, a big part of me wishes they would do that. And if they continue to do three movies a year, you can make one or even in some years two of those solo movies with X-Men characters and really like mm. or or start start them on Disney Plus shows or whatever. Like if they're doing three or four Disney Plus shows, if one of them's an X-Men character and one movie's an X-Men character, right? You yeah. could do you could have the team in four years. Cause you get sure. four built out that way, and then you have uh sort of like they brought in Hawkeye and Black Widow bring yeah. them in sort of as side characters and have them be part of the team. And so then you've got a six person X-Men team started out pretty quickly. Um, and it's, it seems like they're going to go with uh Miss Marvel being on it. So they've already done one. So it's like, mm. you could really like, you could piece this together quickly it, sure. if they really wanted to, but it, they're doing the multiverse saga right now. And I don't know yeah. how that interacts with them making an X-Men team work well. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like they're going back to the drawing board. We haven't talked about it on the show, which is big news, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on multiverse news at, at nauseum uh, because it's going to be our big. It's going to be definitely our top story this week. But they're sort of resetting Daredevil, right? Uh, right. I haven't even read them in detail because it's not Tuesday yet. Um, <laughs> all the articles. Uh, <laughs> that's where we record multiverse news, and I catch up on all my news for the week. Um, but yeah, they're they're apparently going back to the drawing board and. Uh, new writers and directors for daredevil right 
my the only thing I have to say about showrunners for that show and writers and directors get Stephen Denight S Denight back. Uh, mm. He, he I've I've liked him for a long time. His, he was like uh, a, a, a showrunner on the or like, I think he was was he showrunner on Angel. He was part of the Buffy crew. I know that. Yes, he was a director, writer, producer, and supervising producer on Angel, and mm-hmm. a writer and story editor on Buffy. Yeah, it's one of those names that I'd just been seeing for years as like that I had a lot of affection for because mm-hmm. he just like makes uh, made a lot of my favorite stuff. Um, and then then I then you know he's he made Daredevil and it's just it's just it's the best. It's the I think it's some of the best Marvel content. Period. Like agreed. It's. One of my top shows, I might even put it above the majority of the movies. Like the mm-hmm. way that it builds up the characters, the very first scene in the freaking confessional booth. I say it all the time, but that scene sets up that character in a way that like so few shows do well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a great. It's just a great show. Just a freaking great show. Um, oh yeah. And I I think it they'd be dumb not to offer it to him. The little bit of the article I read, they said that they had a. Like it wasn't hitting the right tone for them. It was sort of a mm-hmm. like law procedural, and it didn't have enough violence, and didn't have enough like of the Daredevil DNA from the old show. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd heard Daredevil didn't appear in costume until episode four, which is an, yeah. an immediate red flag for me. So, I mean, it's it's always kind of concerning when you hear about a show that's like so far in production, like having these big upheavals like this. But it sounds like it's for the best. And it sounds like Kevin Feige is being more actively involved and really being hands-on and like taking a look to see what these dailies look like. So if they're going to choose this time to to pivot and make some changes, I'm glad it's happening sooner rather than later. And it sounds like mm-hmm. it'll be an improvement on the series overall. And um, I kind of lost the thread of how we ended up talking about Daredevil. When we were Me talking about too. Loki anyway, but <laughs> Me too. I legitimately don't know what we we're talking about. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 we were talking about X Men and Miss Marvel and oh, that's right. TV yeah. shows, and I don't even know why we landed there, but it, I just it popped into my head, and I, I had to bring it up because for sure, <laughs> uh, because it, 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 we should have put it at the top of the show. It's a big news story. Um, oh yeah, but we we got into Loki so quick. Um, but yeah, I uh, it's, it's just crazy. And if you want to hear us talk a ton about that tomorrow uh, or Wednesday, we drop multiverse news, and I'm sure we will be discussing it at length. And probably I'll have more knowledge at that point. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll read more than headlines. I'll read more than headlines in first paragraphs, which is kind of how I most of my entertainment news throughout the week. And then, like on Tuesday, I go read more. <laughs> and when you get your news from memes, that's how it tends to go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, let's do, uh, I guess, one more. I think it were, Sounds good. It's about that time. Bob Donahue uh, says, Hi, all. Uh, I would like to expand or add a cool theory to the point uh, that one of our, your listener, Kimmy, alluded to on a previous podcast, uh, where she illustrated that OB might, in fact, be the person who prunes Loki or is ringing to phone the phone. Um, the main reason I like this theory is because they imagine how cool it would be if it was revealed that OB was a Kang variant, possibly a good one, uh, might not be possible as majority of Kangs are majors, um, Jonathan majors, uh, but the fact most of Loki's are different styles, I could, it could make sense, uh, for the series at least. Ooh. Uh, I'm pausing here to throw in my own part of this theory. What mm-hmm. if, so he needs K 
Kang needed someone in the TVA to like be able to fix all the equipment and be able to like uh uh do all the stuff that OB can do. Mm-hmm. And he also can erase memories. What if OB is a Kang variant and doesn't know it? And like he erased mm. his memory and kept him secluded from everyone because he knows the like power and strength that he has. I like this theory a lot now. I'm actually digging it. Yeah. Um, I'm digging this. Okay. Um, he continues. If you remember the first episode, someone asks him how he knows so much about the mechanics of the TVA. He responds with, I wrote the manuals. There's one on every table. So maybe he helped create the TVA uh, as he seems quite intelligent. He, he also, I saw the word he, and I just assumed it was he who remains. I don't know. Um, (laughs) He also seems to know a lot about time travel, time slipping, uh, whereas you until end game, no one knew it was possible, which as you know, until end game, no one knew was possible. So maybe he had his memory wiped by He Who Remains. I think this would be a great concept personally, as he's a great character, a brilliant actor. Uh, love to hear your feedback. Love you 3000, Bob. I love this for a lot of reasons. I think it's real cool. It would be surprising because he's such a kind and fun and good-hearted seeming character. And for him to be a Kang variant would be really fascinating. And, uh, as I said, it, it actually could make a lot of sense if he just had his, his mind erased and he just mm. knows this is his job. Just like he does when they all, oh man, think of the scene when they all decide to finally find out where, who they are on the timeline, you know, like, yeah. and then he finds out that he is a Kang variant. Ooh, man, that could be yeah. intense. I think we're having the Kihu Quanassance right now because the man just won an Oscar <laughs> after everything, everywhere, all at once last year. And now he's got this. So um, hearing this theory, I, I absolutely love it. And I love what you expanded on with it there. But it actually got me thinking um, as well, like, you know, again, looking at the behind the scenes and the production and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, we know Jonathan Majors has had some some legal troubles and whatnot. And we've often wondered, like, what does the future of Kang look like? So what if... Kihu Kwan is going to be our king going forward, and they're just totally subversing expectations by giving us this docile, lovable version. And when he turns heel at the end, it's just going to hurt that much. And going exactly. forward, we have this great performer in the role. Um, but I did find myself, as much as I love the theory, I found myself thinking about like keeping Ob separate from Kang and thinking about the nature of their relationship more, and whether or not he's been, you know, mind wiped or not, or memory wiped. Like what? is his relationship to Kang and two characters I would really love to see in a room together are OB and Ravana Renslayer because Mm. they both seem to be these characters that Kang placed an enormous amount of trust into with, with OB, whether it's, you know, the day-to-day mechanical operations of the TVA or with Ravana, we got that audio message in the last episode where he said like, I'm glad to have you on my side and on my team. So I, I would really like to see OB and Ravana Rinslayer in a room together and like what they know about each other and what their past interactions and with Kang have looked like. Mm, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, man, I, I, it's, there's so many rich characters that I want to know more about in the history of, um, you, you got me thinking though, when you said, uh, we know he's had legal troubles, we have talked a lot about 
what if they need to replace Jonathan Majors because of these problems, these legal hmm. troubles? We've gone through a lot of versions of who that could be, what they might do. At one point, there was a big rumor that it would be a uh, uh, an actress taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if Kihu Kwan became the... Like, okay, Everything Ever All At Once is my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. I love it. If you haven't seen it, Kihu Kwan is amazing in it. Um, great freaking movie. But one of the things about that movie is in his various multiverses, he is very different. Oh, yeah. Like, I've never seen him pull off the menace that Jonathan Majors can pull off mm. is He Who Remains. But talk about a Kihu Kwanessance, which I love. Mm. Thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for Kihu coining that. Um, <laughs> sure. It's it's just it's <laughs> it is so it would be so amazing if the like in the final episode this we get that heel turn and mm. we really get a like a full on Kihu Kwan villain oh, like because yeah. because he did play like he played a very serious like business version of himself he yeah. played a very like adventurous version of himself he played like a very comedic version of himself in in the different things in uh uh everything ever all at once so seeing that seeing that version I, I don't know that he has that gear but I'm. I'm like willing to go with them if they think he does and see what he has, you know, be really, really cool if he could pull that off. Um, Yeah. 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 I'd love to see it. Me too. Goosebumps just like contemplating it. Like that would be such a satisfying heel turn. Yeah. Yeah. And such a (sighs) short round (laughs) and data (laughs) is such a like eighties, schlocky silly version of Kihu Kwan as a child like doing his mm-hmm. like no time for love Dr. Jones like it's just so I love I love him I love him so much from like all of that I love his voice it's so signature and him like you hear his mm-hmm. voice you know it immediately yeah um even now uh and it and they utilize him so well and everything overall at once like but they didn't go there and it's mm-hmm. like I I actually would like be amazed if Marvel like took it even further than the Daniels did, you know, like took him to a totally, it would be really satisfying from like, he just won an Oscar, like let him like really do his thing and let him like go all out. And I've just never seen, I just want to say, I want to see, I'm just, I'm repeating myself. Um, but I, I, (laughs) it's worth repeating. It's, it's a great contemplation here. Yeah. You, 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 you're talking about, I'm getting goosebumps about it too. Like I really, really love the idea of him going all out mm. like that. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's about the end of the podcast. Uh, please check out animation deliberation and, uh, multiverse news where you can hear me and Jay Scotty talk, uh, about lo- about uh, daredevil a bunch, uh, tomorrow, yeah. I'm sure. Um, so we- we'll be recording that live. Uh, if you're getting this, it comes out on Tuesdays. We record live on Twitch at seven 30 PM central. Um, uh, and, uh, then, uh, we, we, we post on Wednesday morning. So I, yeah, we, we, I've had just had a blast creating that show with you yeah. and it's been really, really fun. And, uh, like when these big news stories come up, it's all, especially MCU related, like, cause that's kind of what spurred on this whole, uh, network. So whenever yeah. we get to really dig into an MCU thing, it's a lot of fun. So oh, excited yeah. about that tomorrow. So if you're digging this to go check out that and animation liberation, also Jay Scotty's other show, uh, if you like animation. Please do. Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning uh, Invincible Season 2 is just around the corner. We got a trailer oh. for it, so if you want to get hyped for Invincible Season 2, come check out Animation Deliberation, because we're going to be talking all about it over there. I feel like it's been forever since Season 1. 
Uh, it has been since 2021, so it's been a minute, yeah. as they say. Yeah, it's been a miss minute. <laughs> I um, love it. <laughs> all right, well, we'll be back, guys. Check us out on all the things, and uh, come come give us your feedback next week so we can hit, have lots of other amazing things to talk about. Thank you guys for writing in. We'll be back soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. And a huge shout out to both. That's right, there's two of them now. Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III and Lieutenant Bongo. Thank you, guys. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 